Welcome to episode 80 of the Half Point Fruit Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Riggs, joined as always by my co-host, Dalton Willie, and our producer, Johnny Pham. First of all, guys, I just wanted to start off by thanking all of you, the listeners, for an excellent month of August. Uh, we have quite a few people, by our standards, on the YouTube channel watching, whether it was videos, streams, whatever the case may be. And then I think we had a record for most podcast listens this month, too. So we super appreciate the support. We hope you guys will stick around and maybe tell your friends about the podcast during the season. Looking forward to that. Dalton, we are officially, I believe, right, this is Thursday, one week away from the first real NFL football game. Yeah, I'm not going to financially recover from live betting. um, (laughs) Betting is legal in Kansas now. Congratulations. And I already have some good bets for week one. I'm loving the Eagles minus four against the Lions. <laughs> and then you got the Saints minus five and a half against the Falcons. Um, there's also a ton of road teams that are favored. So it's going to be a wild weekend in the NFL week one. Do you um, want to do the uh, 16 pick parlay again? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it ends on Thursday like it did last year. <laughs> Well, yes, one day we, we made it out of Thursday. We made, we made it out, out of the first game a couple of times, but it took us like a, three weeks at least to do so. Dalton, did you really say you're going to bet against the, the Detroit Lions week one? Last year was an anomaly. Okay, <laughs> Jalen Hurts is not Jimmy Garoppolo. How dare you? Hey, this is somebody you guys don't tend to enjoy. His name is DJ Shark. relocated i'm starting to add personal details to this he has a family how could you bet against this man and he relocated (laughs) thank you friend of the show eli for giving us that amazing drop and letting Uh, evan make that i just love when i googled dj shark shark that photoshop was the first thing that came up and the fact that was so intentionally terrible i was like this is gonna go perfectly with just some obscene music like and making garage fans so that that was a lot of fun he does have a family though he does <laughs> and he's relo- he relocated beautiful, beautiful looking family dj sharp would not bet against that man in week one uh okay we've got a fun show today uh a lot of stuff to get to we've got news and this is mostly cut down day stuff we've got i think this will be the last edition of player props before the season at least And then we're going to take a break from the fantasy football because we're kind of in an awkward in-between right now and talk some real-life NFL, make some predictions. We have some fun uh, segments planned for that. And where I want to start is with probably what was the worst story of the week last week and has now turned into a pretty awesome story. And Brian Robinson, obviously everyone who's listening, I'm sure – has heard what happened. He was shot in the calf. It was an armed robbery attempt. And he was immediately announced like in stable condition, which was great. And then he was back in the facility less than a week later. Now he's on the reserve slash non-injury football list. But the fact that there's even a chance that he plays in week five, is just unbelievable. Obviously wish him a speedy recovery and don't even really want to talk about the fantasy impact of that, but just wanted to shout out Brian Robinson uh, Trey Sermon was cut off the 49ers to make room uh, for an offensive lineman that they wanted to bring on the team. They also cut Jamichael Hasty the same day, which I 
thought it was a little bit curious because now they have Elijah Mitchell and then they have Tyrion Davis Price, Jeff Wilson, and Jordan Mason, who are all bigger backs, like straight ahead runners. And Elijah Mitchell didn't catch hardly any passes last year. So I'll be curious to see who, if anybody, emerges as a pass catcher in that group. But Dalton, any thoughts on on that move? And then obviously the follow-up to that is now Trey Sermons in Philadelphia. Yeah, I think uh, really not a lot of worse places Trey Sermon could have ended up in the sense that I think the Eagles hate Miles Sanders and just cannot find anybody else to take that workload from him. It's also a top two offensive line in the NFL. So if there's ever an opportunity for a one cut back to make his name known, it would probably be in an offense like that. And if they run it a lot this offseason, it's a good setup for him. It is pain that you had to add that he was cut for an offensive line. Yep. So, yep. He made the initial 53. Then it was kind of like, wow, they're keeping five running backs or it was your five or I guess five. And then it was like, nope, Trey Sermon gets the boot. They bring in an offensive lineman. And then obviously not just the offensive lineman, but Jordan Mason, who's the undrafted free agent rookie on this team, made the team over over Sermon, who he was a preseason hero. So I guess we'll see if he announced anything this year. You know my dynasty team would be very thrilled if he did. Yes, I know they would. I'm <laughs> hoping he's just a flash in the pan like Zach Zinner at this point. <laughs> uh, Kenyon Drake was waived by vegas pretty early on sometime last week i can't remember if that was before or after we recorded last week or not and then more recently he signed with the ravens and then the the move that came shortly after that was tyler Beatty was cut and he landed on the practice squad uh i I don't know if we can really take anything uh as far as jk dobbins health goes or not with this signing i will say we have the report that his week one status that being jk dobbins is certainly in doubt is, is the quote, but we also have, uh, I think, a little bit of uh, sensationalism going on here. Like, I saw the, the tweet that he was limping after the drill, and J.K. Dobbins uh, took offense to that on Twitter, and I saw the actual video, and it was a pretty standard, like, do a drill, sore athlete walk my way to the back of the line because I'm tired kind of walk. I wouldn't read much into that, but Dalton, a- anything you, you read into the Kenyon Drake signing other than the guys after Dobbins just aren't cutting it. Yeah. I mean, Mike Davis is definitely somebody I'm going to just avoid at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if Drake doesn't, or even if Dobbins doesn't play week one, I'm not really that into this backfield. I think it's going to be pretty ugly underneath Dobbins and even with Dobbins for a while. Um, And I think what the Ravens are doing is they just don't want to repeat last year where they had no backs that could get the job done. So they're just going to sign as many as they can that are subpar, but better than last year's. So the NFL has expanded practice squads in recent years. And that is how we were able to see things like Marlon Mack being cut and going to the practice squad. That was kind of a shock to, to the system. When I saw a guy of his magnitude going to the practice squad, Damian Pierce's ADP, I think has no limits at this point. I saw an expert draft get posted on Twitter where he went at the end of the fourth round. So I think you can take whatever his ADP is right now and just trash it. Cause that's not where he's going to go in drafts. Dalton, where do you think Pierce should go uh, just among running backs? We'll say like RB. If I had to do my rankings, I'd probably put him like RB 27, 28. And, and, and that's what I was going to say too, is like, I think I'm my internal debate would be, is he top 30, but I've seen, 
debate, like, is he top 20? And I'm really curious if I did an underdog draft today, which underdog, please post uh, a cheap $5. One more, puppy. one more puppy that I can do. I'm curious where he's going on an underdog in, in drafts in the last couple of days. But I feel like he, he went from a sleeper that I liked to – he was climbing, climbing, climbing. Now I'm afraid it's going to be absolutely out of control. And I'm wondering if they're going to bring in another back because right now it's Dario Gumbawale and Rex Burkhead behind him, which no matter what you think of Damian Pierce, he's not good enough to have two nobodies like that be the only two other guys in this backfield. Well, and even if he retains the first and second down roles, he's not a pass catcher and both those backs are pass catchers. Like he's, he doesn't have the fantasy upside. The Texans aren't going to lead this team down the field, you know, up and down with first and second down rushes. They're going to be down a lot and be playing in the two minute drill a lot. So his fantasy value is really capped. He's just a, like, he's a fun player to watch right now, but he's also showing out in the preseason. And I think we all need to pump the brakes a little bit with players that are going above him. And all of the draft people that I trust, they like, uh Damian Pierce I, I liked him too coming out of college but at the same time he was a guy where it was like he's good and he's going to make it in the NFL but I don't think people think he has like star upside at the position so just something to keep in mind as as we trudge ahead here in drafts and in the season a couple of moves on the fringes not really worth talking about but just wanted to mention him Jalen Rager traded the Vikings for a couple late round picks thought that was funny i think everybody probably knows why uh, uh justin jefferson says hello to the guy drafted right before him uh tyler johnson cut by the bucks was a little bit surprised by that and speaking of the texans he was claimed by the texans so i guess maybe a somewhat interesting wide receiver three on that team if they ever become good but not interested at the moment just to wait and see uh sony michelle cut by the dolphins which you know, we could talk about what you think that means for Raheem Mostert or any other backs there, but he also signed with the Chargers earlier this week, and that coincided with Isaiah Spiller returning the practice too. So the running back room in Miami becomes a little more clear to me, I think, and then the running back room behind Austin Eckler has become more unclear uh, with, with this signing. What do you think, Dalton? I do think this signing does hurt Eckler a little bit. Michelle is just not a between the twenties guy. He's an inside the 20 player. That's kind of where he makes his bread. And the reason Eckler was so good last season was because he scored 20 touchdowns. Like he wasn't putting up massive yardage games. He was putting up massive touchdown games. And if Michelle even cuts into some of those high value touches inside the twenties, then it gets really hard for me to see Eckler returning as a top three running back, which is where he's going right now. Mm -hmm. um, so CNC I mean, this has finally jumped ahead of him in, in ADP as of like three days ago. Well, that's funny because I was going to say I did see on Sleeper that CMC's current ADP is five, and it's absurd. really wow, yeah. absurd. But I, I'm I'm getting worried. I really do think Eckler is going to be like the biggest letdown, even if he does a full healthy season, because the Chargers just Tom Telesco and the Chargers don't want to use him in the way that he was used last season. And uh, on the other side, I think this gives Raheem Mostert the the very clear pathway to the second running back job in that offense, which. I don't know how much anybody really believes in Chase Edmonds as a runner and Raheem Mostert was brought in by the coach who he's played for and knows the system 
to Miami. So I think you can make the argument that this should bump Mostert up like a round. Maybe he goes from 11th round to 10th round or something like that. But he becomes more interesting in, in redraft for sure, I think. Yeah, and I know we're all enamored by the pass offense in Miami, but Mike McDaniels did have the third highest rush rate in the NFL last season in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure he's trying to retain that that running offense that he you know, coined with uh, Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. So the running backs, I think, are just undervalued across the board in mm-hmm. Miami. And, and speaking of that passing offense, Jalen Waddle. So he returned to practice earlier this week. By the time you guys are hearing this, maybe on Friday morning, it would have been Wednesday, I think, he finally returned. Uh, there was some debate as to how much he actually did. The media wasn't shown very much, so we don't really know in what capacity. Mike McDaniel has said he's optimistic that Waddle will play week one. I think that stance got reaffirmed even stronger earlier this evening, but he pretty much said the same thing word for word about Byron Jones, who is also on the IR and out for the first four weeks. So not saying that's what's going to happen, but just a situation to watch. I don't know what you can do about it in drafts. I have seen Waddle's ADP dropping, and I don't know if it's because of this or because the price tag was too high initially. He's now very close to where I have him ranked. He's going wide receiver 19 when I looked this morning. But Dalton, a- any thoughts on on the Waddle thing? I know you had mentioned it maybe in our group chat, maybe on the pod uh, at least sometime recently. I mean, I wasn't drafting Waddle before this. I'm definitely not drafting him now. The three weeks of not practicing in a new offense when there is an alpha in your offense are just overly concerning for me. So, I mean, I just don't want anything to do with him. I didn't before, but this really just reaffirms that feeling. It's an undisclosed lower body injury too. So just don't love knowing what's what's going on. But that's what Ken Walker had before it became a sports hernia. (laughs) That is true. Hopefully that's not uh, the case here. So good news on the injury front. Michael Gallup avoided the PUP. So he should be back within the first month of the season. Should be a little boost to, to his draft stock. And probably immediately is the wide receiver two and either the second or third pass catcher unless you are really buying into a Tony Pollard in the slot <laughs> hype. But good news for Michael Gallup. Uh, Zach Ertz and Rondell Moore, both, uh, I'll do my air quotes, to be close for week one. Zach Ertz is a calf. Rondell Moore, another undisclosed. So could be literally anything. And I obviously have some concern for both of these guys. And just for the Cardinals offense as a whole, they're all... I've already talked about how I don't really love the weapons behind Hopkins now that he's out. And you've got Zach Hurts, who's who's older, has had his share of injury problems in his career, already banged up. And Rondell Moore, like this is just, this offense is already thin and it's just not a great, not like the Chiefs defense is is a juggernaut, but just for the offense as a whole, you just don't like when maybe your second and third options in the passing game are currently injured with Hopkins already out. Yeah, you can get Chiefs at minus three and a half right now, by the way. Um, but And we've also seen what happens when Hollywood Brown is the uncontested wide receiver one only option on an offense last season. And it led to like one of the worst EPA per plays by any wide receiver in the NFL. <laughs> so I don't have a strong hope that, that this gets figured out. And if those two don't play, I think that the Cardinals are an obvious fade week one. Mm-hmm. Last one, uh, Kadarius Tony. his knee injury is improving. Hopeful he will play week one. I feel like this has kind of flown under the radar that Tony hasn't really done much and has been banged up. And I think there should be some level of concern because he was great in the limited stretches he played last year, but was basically injured every time you looked away and looked back at 
at your TV when, when the Giants were on. Yeah, and this is just concerning because I don't think the Giants want Kenny Galladay on the field right now. <laughs> I don't um, think Kenny Galladay wants to be on the field right now. It's what that, it that's like. true. Yeah, I don't think anybody wants to see him on the field. Um, I th- I think if he didn't have a $72 million contract, he would have been a cut. So I, I they need Kadarius Tony to play at this point. It's possible. All right, we can move on to the player props real quick before we get to the real NFL stuff. Where I wanted to start, because, you know, George Pickens has gotten all the hype. He He's stolen the show in Pittsburgh this year in training camp. And we have Chase Claypool, who his over-under for receiving touchdowns is four and a half. Now, I know, I, I know he only caught two last year. But this is a guy who had nine touchdowns as a rookie, and I think he even had one game with four total touchdowns but it was, I think one of them was rushing. And like it's Philly, I think. Yeah, one of them was rushing and two or three were receiving. So this number jumped out to me as a no-brainer over, which is why I'm afraid and wanted to talk it out because anytime something seems like a no-brainer, you're usually, or at least more often than you think, you're dead wrong. So Dalton, am I missing anything here with, with, with this number? I know touchdowns are hard to predict, but this seems very low for Chase Claypool. Well... <laughs> I thought it was a no-brainer over, so I think we're going to lose a lot of money on this one. Um, <laughs> the thing is, last year, this was not Jeff Saturday or whoever, the Matt Canada's offense, I think is his name. Yep. It, it, it was Big Ben's offense, and Big Ben's offense was no play action because he would fall down if he did it. It was no motion because he didn't want to have to worry about the motion. The thing is that Chase Claypool does well, motion, play action, getting open on those releases – uh, it just the offense being run like a modern NFL offense is good for him. And like you mentioned in that Eagles game, one of his touchdowns was a jet sweep. I think they would use more jet sweeps with this offense. Mm-hmm. And then I am just team big slot this offseason. And <laughs> Chase Claypool's probably going to play a lot out of the slot, which I think just gives him those easy layup touchdowns with Trubisky or with Pickett because those guys are going to be looking for the short and easy passers. And Claypool's just an athlete which is really good if he can get the ball in space. So I think it's really easy to talk myself into the over. Johnny? Yeah, I think I think Vegas is just buying too much into the, the picking type and just thinks he's just going to just take all of Claypool's just receiving touchdowns. But I, well, I looked at well, the over, and it kind of kind of surprised me too. Well, and probably what Vegas is doing is buying into other people's hype of bu- – Knowing that other people are going to buy in. Did you the, see what Pickens over under was? No, I actually didn't. Didn't look. I could pull that up while we move on the Brees Hall though. Brees Hall and I'm over to be clear on this. If you didn't get that already, <laughs> Brees Hall his over under is 800 and a half rushing yards. We didn't have time to mention it last week because we went long. But an honorable mention, my guy was Michael Carter from last week's show. So I was like, well, putting Brees Hall's number here could be a way that we could loop in that Jets backfield conversation. So, Dalton, what do you think about Brees Hall and this number this year? Oh, I'm taking the under. Um, I, you know, the when Brees Hall was drafted by the Jets, I kind of just wanted to say Michael Carter was dead. And then the more you listen to the Jets talk about Brees Hall, they talk about needing like a big play potential from a guy. And the more you watch the way they talk about Michael Carter and you look at Michael Carter's tape, you realize that he, like the reason the Jets didn't want him to be the only lead back was because he's like a good five to six yards kind of player. He's really good in the past game. And I 
don't think Brees Hall is going to be getting 18 to 20 touches a game like some people think. He's going to be a 10 to 12 touch guy where they're trying to get pop plays out of him. And I also think it's going to be very hard for any running back in the Jets offense behind that offensive line to return 800 yards, even if they were to be getting 18 to 20 carries a game. Um, So with all those confounding factors, I'm just out. I still think this team is not going to be very good. They have weapons, but they still have Zach Wilson or Joe Flacco quarterbacking the team. (laughs) The fact that I am internally thinking to myself, well, maybe they should just leave Joe Flacco at quarterback is a very bad thing for the prospects of, of this team. I'm taking the under two. I don't know if I'm quite as, I think the Brees Hall hate has gone a little too far, but I also think that this is probably, I've said this all along. It's probably going to be close to a 50, 50 split where Carter's going to get more of the passing game stuff because you know, people say that Brees Hall has all of this pass game upside, and he does, but that was a, a thing that a lot of people identified in college that he would need to work on. He has the tools, but he doesn't block well. Michael Carter is a good blocker, so Michael Carter is going to be the trusted third down back. And Brees Hall is inconsistent with some of the fundamentals in, in, in the passing game, too. So I think just the fact that it's going to be close to a 50-50 split is going to make it very hard, like you said, for either guy to reach 800 yards rushing. And then with a running back, you assume he's going to miss uh, a couple games here and there. Johnny? Yeah, I'm going to go with the under two. Like, if Michael Carter just wasn't there, I feel like 800 is still just kind of a, a stretch amount. But I, I like the under here. So for what it's worth on Pickens, I can't – there's no touchdown uh, line for him. It is interesting, his – Receiving yards line is 499 and a half on the one place I see listing it. And that's like half of Chase. Like Claypool's is like 850 and a half. So perhaps a little bit of a disconnect between the fantasy world and, and the real world with Chase Claypool and George Pickens. I don't know. Well, uh, Pickens officially jumped Chase Claypool on underdog. Really? Um, Pickens is 50, Claypool's 51 last I saw, which is absurd to me in so many ways. <laughs> Okay, Trevor Lawrence, talk about a guy that had an absurd year in so many ways. Last year, his over-under for passing yards is 3,850 and a half. And I wish I wrote this down. Going to look it up real quick. He was close to this number last year. And that was, yeah, 3,641. And he's got better receivers. Not great, but better. We've talked about Kirk, how Kirk being there is going to help a lot. He has a real coach. And ETN is going to help in the passing game too. I think this is an over, and I feel bad about how good I feel about this. I think I might actually bet this one now, now that I legally can. You legally but, can. Might as well place a live bet. Why not? Legally can. <laughs> um, and I'm I'm with you on the over. We're I think agreeing. We're agreeing too much. These are all going to be wrong. We right? are. So a lot of money is getting lost in this group. By the way, West Virginia is tied after the first quarter. First quarter. And I have West Virginia covering plus seven and a half. Fingers mm. crossed that happens. Giant eye are on the other side of that. So that is pain. No, it's three zero right now. What are you? What score are you watching? Oh well, I haven't looked at it recently. But last <laughs> still need to. It cover. was zero zero. Yeah, of course it's gonna be tied. But Pittsburgh Li- just kicked a field goal. Live update from ten minutes ago. The game is tied. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but. On to Trevor Lawrence. A lot of the people who I trust that talk about real football, like Robert Mays and um, 
Matt Waldman think that Lawrence's rookie season wasn't that bad. It was a lot of bad play calling and he did have a lot of drop passes. So he still might be like what we thought he was, which was the new Andrew Luck of the NFL. Um, not going to go that far, but hitting this over doesn't mean he has to even be that. It just means he's a functional quarterback in a bad defensive game. Yeah. It just means he has to be a little bit of a better passer than Jalen Hurts probably. Yeah. Which is really not hard to do. Yeah. See, Glad this is that. this is why I hate doing the player props because I just talk myself into it. It's like, oh, this is a slam dunk uh-huh. home run prop over. And I, I placed a bet, but I was like, oh, my funds are getting a little low because <laughs> I placed too many ones and I have to wait like six months for it to ever pay out. So I'm like, do I deposit more money in? But I, I, I like the over two. It's just offense is revamped, different play calling, better receivers to, to throw to now, but... I think this would be kind of a, an easy over. Yep. Um, and the next one, Jamar Chase, basically 1,200, you know, 1,199 and a half receiving yards is his line. And this is kind of the Cooper Cup thing on a lesser scale where he he was almost at 1,500. And you're taking a big chunk off of that. And I made the mistake of taking the under on Justin Jefferson in almost this exact scenario last year and got – royally burned by that so i am taking the over i'm a little bit concerned how many usually taking the under is the the smarter thing to do with player props season long because guys get hurt whatever like i i just think he's gonna clear this by a couple hundred yards if he has a healthy season and so that gives me the margin for error that even if he doesn't i think he can still hit it too what do you guys think i took the over and this was really to hedge against taking the under on cooper cup I don't want to bet against two, uh, like, all pro wide receivers not hitting it. And 1,200 yards, um, I mean, I still am not a big fan of the Bengals' offense and the play calling by Zach Taylor, but I just think that, I mean, Jamar Chase needs, like, three safeties in three different games to blow coverages once for him to hit 100 yards in each of those games and already be a fourth of the way there. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not hard to see how this happens. Yeah. I just figured out um... – because my, my previous bookie, you can't parlay futures or props. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to be parlaying props. Because I, I love the over on Jamar Chase and Trevor Lawrence. So it's just less funds are going to be put in to higher payout. But I, 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 I do like the over too. But now I'm going to play some live, okay. live parlays. This last one, I actually didn't even make a pre-show decision. I need to wait and see what you guys decide. George Kittle, 800 and a half receiving yards. Dalton, over or under? I took the under. Um, (laughs) And it's because there are so many ways I can see this not happening. First, they roll Trey Lance out in these four fat backs and decide they're going to run it 40 (laughs) times a game. That is very possible. All right. Two. Debo and Brandon Ayuk gobble up enough targets that George Kittle just doesn't get enough work because they have him in line so often. And that's how they like to play in this offense. And then three, George Kittle, who loves to get hurt, just gets hurt again. And he misses four games. And it's almost impossible for him to hit the over. There are just so many ways it, does, it doesn't happen for him that I don't like the idea of betting for it, especially in an offense with so many question marks around what Trey Lance will be as a passer. I feel like 800 800- is a great Vegas line number. And that is how I got baited into talking myself to hitting the over. <laughs> because I just feel like it, he'll, Trey Lance would just pick a favorite target once a game. He's like, okay, I'm just going to dump it down to Kittle 
15 times a game and he'll have like a 150 yard game. That would just help. But I think he, I think he would just scramble and Kittle would just find the ball. And I, I just like the over for this one. So why this is so hard and why this one jumped out to me when I was looking through lines in the 18 and 19 seasons, when Kittle first really exploded onto the scene, he was a, a high yardage low and he still doesn't catch that many touchdowns, but He's been a high yardage guy in his best seasons. Almost 1,400 yards his first breakout year. And then he was at 1,053 his, his second good year. He was hurt a lot in 2020. But even last year, he missed three games and was still at 9-10. So, Dalton, you said four games. He probably, he could have missed four games and still cleared it last well, that's, year. That's with Jimmy Garoppolo. Not with Trey Lance. I don't think Trey Lance's – we'll talk about this later with our previews. I just don't think Trey Lance's floor is much lower than what Jimmy was giving them last year. And the ceiling is so much higher. This is like just almost an injury bet. And it's the Niners and it's Kittle. So I'm petrified of making that bet. I'm taking the under. Just got taken too many overs today. (laughs) I'm taking the under, but I don't have – don't bet this line. Yeah, no, I would never bet this line. Uh, if you guys want a quick update, West Virginia scored at 73 now. Let's go! <laughs> the second be... quarter with 12 minutes to go, but yeah. I, plus good seven job. and a half is a big spread to cover. And then if Purdue wins, I'm making $300 on a nice parlay. This is, this is going to be every show from now on, except <laughs> as the season goes on, it's going to get, like, we're, this is like the first college football game, like big game. So totally respectable, understandable, but like, by November, it's going to be like, I don't know, is cricket played in November? Like, we're going to get some off-the-wall sports that, that we've got some uh, some funds on by, by mid-season. You can bet on Formula One. Oh, God. I know nothing about Formula One. Good. Doesn't mean you can't <laughs> bet on it. That is true. I've learned that from a, from a friend. Won't name names on, <laughs> on that one. All right. Um, let's get into some real-life NFL football here. And where I wanted to start was at the bottom of the barrel. And that being the worst team. Dalton, who is your prediction for worst team in the NFL this season? Um, So I actually had trouble with this one. And if you just look at the NFC and you're like, there's like four teams making a real run for this one. Uh, I went with the Atlanta Falcons. And I went with them for a couple of reasons. QB ambiguity, first of all, Desmond Ritter played really well in the preseason and Marcus Mariota did too, which means I think both players get a short leash. Uh, Their first round pick did not really get a preseason. So I think Drake London's going to have a little bit of an acclimation to the NFL. And then just the amount of dead cap this team has right now from Julio and Matt Ryan, as well as one of their linebackers, they, they are very, very thin around the edges when it comes to talent. So I'm just willing to bet that any injuries are really bad for them because they're going to be starting practice squad level guys that a lot of teams wouldn't roster. And then I just don't really think Arthur Smith is a good coach. And we're going to find that out this season on what he does with these pieces. But just what I saw with him last season, I I was left really wanting more with the play concepts he did um, and how he utilized a lot of his players. And for those reasons, I think they're going to be the worst team in the NFL. So I went with uh, not a surprise. And also I, the Falcons were definitely 
under consideration for me. I just think they have more talent than the Bears. And that's who and that's who I went with uh with this pick. The Bears, by the way, plus seven fifty for worst record. They were like the third or fourth from from the lowest. So not not the favorite, but that's who I'm going with. I think Justin Fields is going to have to make an incredible leap to get this team out of the bottom of the barrel in the NFL. And even if he makes a leap, I think they're still going to be very bad. Uh, Darnell Mooney, I think, is a fine player, but I don't think he's a one in the NFL. And they have nobody who even resembles a wide receiver three, let alone two. They have a bunch of wide receiver fives masquerading as wide receiver twos right now. And Byron Pringle and Velas Jones. Like, Cole Cole Komet is just a – he's a jag. He's not anything special. Like, David Montgomery, you know how how we feel about him. Just a guy. Like, I like Cleo Herbert, but – I don't think that's moving the needle for, for wins really in the NFL too much. And I just think the combination of bad offensive line with quarterback who likes to hold the ball. I just, I just think the bears are going to be truly awful this year. I'm with you. And so the bears were um, right up there with the Texans and the Falcons in my final considerations. And what kind of pushed me off the bears was I think there is like a small like six win probability with Justin Fields playing well and the coaching staff using him effectively like in bootlegs. I don't have as much faith in the Atlanta coaching staff or the Atlanta quarterbacking, which is kind of like Marcus Mariota is is like what Jalen Hurts already is in my opinion, mm-hmm. and I don't think we I don't think he has a ceiling like we think Hurts might still have or Fields might still have. Yeah, no, that that's definitely fair, John. Yeah, I feel bad for picking on the Bears, but that that's my pick for the worst team, and their over-under is 6.5, and, and that's mm-hmm. kind of later in the show, but that that's just a win total I like. It's just hammering the under on there. Yep, <laughs> yep me too. I uh, can't remember if I put that one down or not, but I, I am totally with you on that. But, yeah, I think the I think the Falcons had the lowest over-under for wins. I think they were like 4.5 maybe, but, um, yeah, I, I just don't think the Bears will – like even if they had like Allen Robinson still, I don't think that Justin Fields would be able to get him the ball with the offensive line. But I, I just and they're trying to move the stadium. Is that debacle? <laughs> but I, I don't think they'll be good. I agree. Okay, first coach to get fired. Um, I've got one that I think is kind of juicy. But I'm curious. So is is do you, are you guys in the NFC or the AFC with this one? Mine is in the NFC. Mine's in the NFC. Is considered a playoff team. Is it? The, is it Cliff Kingsbury? No, oh, but that's a that, good one. That's my coach. Kingsbury is plus twelve hundred on Odd Shark. I didn't see a line on on FanDuel or DraftKings. So the team that fires its coach first, like this, kind of goes without saying, right? But they have a disappointing start relative to expectations. Let's look at their schedule to start the season. Chiefs at home at the Raiders, Rams at home, at the Panthers, winnable game, then Eagles at home. You could easily see one and four, and they get the Seahawks on the road, so probably two and four, but I could eat, like, two and four, I feel like that, with the way the season ended last year, and just the weirdness that has been this whole Cardinals organization, and the Kyler stuff, and whatever, I, I just think that he's on a pretty hot seat there. Like I, I went and found a poll that the Arizona Republic put up on Twitter after the playoff loss last year, if Kingsbury should be fired. And it was like 
it was a lot of votes. It was like 85% of fans wanted him fired. So I, I think the seat is is pretty hot. Kind of a funny note that they get the Panthers week four. Did you know that Matt Rule was the last coach that that beat Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech before he got fired? Could we get a little Matt Rule, get some fire the second time? Wow. Wow. That, <laughs> I mean, was, that was a callback there. Apparently, I like that a lot, especially with the injuries to did you, their, their receiving core. Mm-hmm. Do you know well, when Kingsbury's current contract ends? 2026. 2027. I say he just got an extension, but I like I feel like the extensions when when the team wants to fire a coach, they just fire the coach. They don't huge like in the NFL. That's more of a factor in college where you have like the boosters have to pay the buyout, and then yeah. like, oh, we'll just raise the ticket prices next year. It's fine, we'll pay the buyout. No, no worries. So I'm not so worried about that. In his three seasons with the Cardinals, his team is a collective uh, ten and eight after their seventh game but 15-5-1 before their seventh game. So that goes back to what we've always known about Kingsbury, that they are good to start the year, terrible to end the year. The Hopkins thing might put them behind the eight ball early in the year, and if they're bad later in the year, that could mean trouble. And then you even look back at Texas Tech, his teams lost at least four of their last six every year he was there, and it was sometimes like six of their last eight, five of their last seven. He has never finished strong. I think that's just a sign of a bad coach. And I, yeah, I, I think adjustments. The, I think the seat is very hot for Cliff Kingsbury, and I, I like the plus twelve hundred. Just throw throw a little bit on there. Man, I feel uh, kind of bad about mine because I didn't look at odds <laughs> when I made mine, and this coach is the second highest. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, like a crazy pick. Yeah, you you you'll have to look at odds. I, I I think honestly, if you pick the top guy, that probably means he he's got a great shot. So I, I think it's totally reasonable just to pick who you think. Well, I picked Mike McCarthy. Yeah, but like yeah. the Cowboys are favored to win their division in Vegas. The Cowboys have a ten and a half win total. But like, first of all, this is the most fragile, like quote unquote, Super Bowl contender in the NFL. Like one player goes down, like we already saw with the left tackle and Tyron Smith, and you have a lot of concerns already. And behind Ceedee Lamb, there is nobody on this wide receiver core you can trust. Michael Gallup will be coming back eventually. They're still running out the ghost of Ezekiel Elliott, and the offensive coordinator in Kellen Moore is probably the the better coach on this coaching staff above Mike McCarthy and I think has a good chance at taking the head coaching gig if they start off slow. And when you look at their schedule, they start off with the Bucks, then they get the Bengals, very easily to be 0-2. Then they have back-to-back games against very beatable NFC East opponents in the Giants and the Commanders. And and that was what kept me off of them is that they have enough in, NFC East sprinkled in that I think they'll right the ship and be okay enough, but go but on. But if they drop one of those games, and what if we just line Chase Young against the left side of that and Dak Prescott never gets comfortable in week three or four? And they're Well, I don't know if Chase Young is even going to be playing by then. True. But, um, but they could be one in four or yeah one and four going into a a rams game then they get the eagles and then they play the lions i mean it's just they do have a bit of a gauntlet of a schedule outside of the nfc east and i just don't like mike mccarthy i think he's a bad coach uh so we will see i like betting this one i do not think that they they should be favored to win the east as well they're my favorite team to like short everywhere i can except Mm -hmm. for cd lamb to leave the nfl on targets yep i'm i'm with you uh I won't say too much now because the Cowboys are on one of my lists later in the show. So are they with me. <laughs> Johnny, who's who's your <clears throat> I went with the betting favorite 
Matthew Kenneth Rule. Yep. I feel like Baker Mayfield is either going to save this man's career or just absolutely destroy him. Uh, I, I don't think that... Because, like, a quick Google search of just Matt Rule, there's a Deadspin article. It's like, the Panthers could be a Super Bowl dark yep. horse or a disappointment. I, I saw that exact same article. There is no time. chance they make the playoffs, even. I In my opinion. I don't think they'll make the playoffs, but... Hey, maybe Baker can prove me wrong, but I feel like Matt Rule at the beginning of the year is on a very tight leash right now, and uh, I, I just think he'll be the first one to get to get chopped. Okay, I feel like we have to go right into Dark Horse playoff team. <laughs> my Dark Horse playoff team is the Carolina Oh, Panthers. my gosh. <laughs> oh, this is going I, to be fun. Oh, wow. I, I, I completely... All in on CMC being healthy this year, I see. I... I <laughs> I completely understand what you're saying. And I don't disagree that like I read the Deadspin article and was like, you know what? This is right. It's either going to go really good or really poorly. I don't really see a whole lot of in between. I'm not saying the Panthers are going to make the playoffs, but dark horse. We're picking dark horses. I tried to go deeper than oh, the Vikings are going to make the playoffs because they were the first team out last year. Um, Baker Mayfield being just a guy at quarterback is already – so much better than what they've had in Matt Rule's first two years. Also, again, I think Rule's a terrible coach. I will give him the benefit of the doubt here that Chris McCaffrey has played in 10 games in his two seasons as coach. The Panthers, I don't remember the rest. They're like three and seven or two and eight in those games without McCaffrey. Or the, no, sorry, sorry. Without with McCaffrey, I believe they're six and four, seven and three. They have a winning record with McCaffrey over the last two years. And then obviously a major losing record with Chris. Are you saying running backs matter? Well, in this case, where the team is not that good and McCaffrey does so much more than just run the ball, it it does matter for them. They I don't love their weapons outside of the top two guys being DJ Moore and Chris McCaffrey, but those guys are so good that I can kind of look past that a little bit and hope that by committee the rest of the offense can do enough and then they've invested in the offensive line they brought in three guys who are probably going to be starters and they've got some dudes on defense like brian burns probably your favorite player to, to have on madden very JC fast horn very fast pass rusher uh yeah jc horn good rookie was banged up at, at the, I, he had the injury that everyone thought he tore his achilles early in the season and he came back and I think we learned early in the season that their defense is not actually as good as we thought, and it was terrible quarterbacks they were playing, which is what most smart people were saying at the time. Um, so I'm not saying it's a great defense, but I think an underrated defense. And the schedule starts out okay. They get the Browns at home without Deshaun Watson. Uh, I think everyone probably saw what Baker Mayfield had to say about that yesterday. Um, he's going to do something to them. Uh, they play at the Giants, and then the Saints at home in Week Three is a big one. You could easily see three and zero in that stretch. It gets a little rough with Cardinals, Niners, Rams, and Tampa. I think if they can get through the first seven weeks at four and three, then you actually have a legit shot because they get the Falcons twice. Dalton's pick for worst team. After that, they get Seattle, who I think is up there for potential worst team. And they get the Lions, I believe that's at home, but I, I don't have that in front of me. And then they have quasi-winnable games, Steelers at home, Denver, and then at the Saints. Like, I think...
they were two and six and one score games last year with a turnover margin of minus 13. So that's kind of what I'm hanging my hat on here. So uh, apparently you and me did the same thing and picked the <laughs> NFC because we were like, we know a nine and eight team can sneak it in, in the NFC. I, I, um, I made a list of playoff teams in the AFC and I know that it's not going to be the list, but I just could not bring myself to pull one of them out. There's no dark horse at the AFC. It's very, yeah. um, but we stayed in the same division even, but I'm going with the New Orleans Saints. Okay. Um, <laughs> looks like I stole Johnny's. <laughs> this team is like really well put together in just about everywhere. Like offensively, you've got to love the weapons. I, I couldn't ask for like a, a lot better receiver rooms. Obviously, I love Olave. Jarvis Landry is good at what he does. And Mike Thomas, uh, maybe he's good. Taysom Hill at tight end. I mean, the guy can do a lot. I don't know how much I love how he, he's used a lot. And then Alvin Kamara at running back. You know, you have a lot of weapons. I'm a very, very big James Winston guy. And the defense <laughs> is incredibly sound. Dennis Allen's a defensive coach, so I think he's going to coach that unit up. And, you know, their first games, they start out against the Falcons. W, like I said earlier, Saints minus five and a half. Easy money. Then they play the Bucks, which, like, on paper, you're like, they're going to get creamed. Except Dennis Allen seems to have Tom Brady's number. Like, every time the Bucks have played the Saints, they've done a pretty good job at game planning around Tom Brady. And you're already... Like, then you start talking to yourself in this picture. It's a team that if defensively they're sound and offensively they minimize mistakes, and you saw them trying to do that with Jameis Winston last year where he was only getting 20 attempts, they really get a good picture put together where I think they can make a run at it, and they end their season with some pretty winnable games. They go the Falcons on December 18th. Then they get the Browns. I'm not feeling too good about that, but then they get the Saints, and then they end with the Panthers. And I think those two are very winnable games. Obviously, me and Evan looked at the NFC South and saw preferable matchups. We just yep. picked different teams. Um, but I do think the Saints could be a really good dark horse. And I think you just need like 10 wins or nine wins in this in the NFC to make it there. Johnny, since I assume you have the Saints, I'll, I'll let you give your Saints case before I'll ask you guys a question here. I love Jameis Winston. Um, quarterback is an actual quarterback and not a tight end or running back or wide receiver. There's no more Drew Brees. Um, they're over unders eight. Love their weapons. Drake London, not Chris Olave. Alvin Kamara shouldn't be suspended at all this year, apparently. But I, NFC again, like everything with Allen said. But yeah, I, I think Saints are a dark horse. My con- they they were a team I thought about. My concerns with the Saints, I, I I have two. Number one, they have a lot. They have a lot of big names, a lot of stars, but. A lot of veterans who you could see it going wrong to where they just kind of all hit the end of their football prime at the same time. Like you have Tyron Matthew there and you have obviously Michael Thomas on offense who's been banged up. And, you know, we saw Tyron Matthew last year. It was a drop off last year from the previous two years in, in Kansas City. So they've got a, a, a handful of guys, frankly, like that. They, they just trade away a guy who was probably going to start. Well, the Marcus May stuff, I made this pick before mm-hmm. he waved his gun and tried to shoot somebody, um, <laughs> which apparently the New Orleans Saints have a problem with their players assaulting citizens of the United States. So The the other concern, I'm not as big a Jameis guy as you are when it comes to, to winning football games as you guys are. Do you guys want to take a guess at what Dennis Allen's record as a head coach is? 
Oh, no, it's horrible. He was the coach of the Raiders for three seasons, I think. I think he has, like, seven total wins. Eight and 28. Like, I was I think, so close. I, I knew th- the stat. I think Matt Rule's pretty bad, but Dennis Allen might be bad. And we're going from Sean Payton to Dennis Allen, which is a big drop-off, and I just kind of worry about about that. So that those are my my sticking points with New Orleans. Yeah, I mean, if we're picking between bad coaches, Matt Rule and Dennis Allen are both yep. fighting for that one. So, All right, next one. A surprise team on the outside looking in. Uh, did multiple of us go Cowboys here? Because this is the aforementioned Cowboys category for me. No, I got crazy with this one. So. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give the Dallas one quick since you already did a great job summing up the Cowboys. They lose Amari Cooper, which – Long-term might be fine, but just this year, I think it definitely makes them worse. Um, Randy Gregory, he's gone. Their starting left tackle, you mentioned, out for a while with an injury. No proven receivers past C.D. Lamb. Um, I've kind of – I've seen more and more people – there's like a Dak Prescott equals Kirk Cousins thing going around lately, and I kind of agree with that. And I, I think Kirk Cousins is good. I think Dak is good. I don't think either of those guys are capable of elevating the team around them to the, like, like the great quarterbacks do. And I think that's going to matter with the Cowboys this year, because I just don't love the way that team is shaping up right now. The other thing they generated takeaways at just an absurd rate last year, they were plus 14, the turnover margin. That's number one, in the NFL last year, they forced 34 turnovers, which was also number one in the NFL. So regression there and a worse pass rush, most likely without Gregory in the fold, means that defense is probably going to take a step back too. And you mentioned you mentioned the ghost of Zeke. You'll love this, Dalton. Do you want to do you want to guess at which offensive position on this team is currently being paid the most money of any offensive position at this position in the NFL? Is it running back? It is running back. The Cowboys are paying their running backs more than any other team in the NFL. They are 28th in receiver spending and they're number one overall on on offensive spending too. Jerry Jones. Or sec, second most on offense, excuse me. 21st on defense. Um, I I don't love the way this Cowboys team is shaping up, even with uh, a couple of what should be gimme games in the NFC East. I, I have concerns with this team. Absolutely. And I mean, the way this team does well is – Dak finally goes to a new level and his injuries are what held him back. And then defensively, you probably need Micah Parsons to turn into Aaron Donald. Like, and that's not like even like a joke for this defense to be better than it was last year. It's incredibly hard because they led the NFL in takeaways, but defensively they weren't a sound unit outside of that. And they're one of the few defenses in the NFL that still plays single high coverages. And if we learned anything from last season, it's that teams are going to shred you over the top when you do that. And I think week one is going to be a really good indicator of that, of how Tom Brady and co handled the Dallas Cowboys defense. Mm. So who, who was your team that you said you got crazy with Los Angeles chargers. So interesting. Wow. Yeah. So I look, yeah, you, you're going to, yeah. <laughs> I look at the AFC West and I'm Here, like, hold on, hold on, Johnny, let's do yours. Cause we have AFC standings next and we'll just fold that. that yeah, in. So Johnny, John, Wow. Wow. That was, that was, did go a little crazy there. Um, my surprise playoff miss is the Bengals. Oh, that's pretty crazy too. 
I feel like they kind of just snuck into the playoffs last year and they just kind of surprised themselves. I don't think that they would just be able to replicate that this year. No basis or information on it? That's just what I'm thinking. I agree. I I think my counterpoint to that is I think they were probably a year early last year, a year ahead of schedule, and so they they could easily be be better this year, and they they upgrade the offensive line a little bit too. So it is interesting to look at the odds in that division. The Ravens are favored, and I can't decide which of those teams I, I would pick to win that division. But okay, AFC West standings. I've got Chiefs, Chargers, Broncos, Raiders in that order. Johnny, is that your order too? Yep, same. Can't wait okay. to hear Dalton's now. So Dalton, Dalton. What's, your, what's your order? And tell us the Chargers case here. So my order is Chiefs, Broncos, Raiders, Chargers. And let's talk about the Chargers. Because are we sure that this offense is going to come together like everybody's expecting it to be? Because this is didn't, probably... Didn't they kind of already last year though? They did, absolutely. This is one of the more, th- like, when you look at it and what top offenses are, this one's, like, one of the thinnest at the top, and here's my concern. You have Mike Williams, who's played one healthy NFL season last year and got a huge contract out of it. Then you have Keenan Allen, who the last three years, all of his underlying metrics have dropped off. He's going to turn 32 this season. Then you have Austin Eckler, who they already want to dial back touches with and is not built to be, like, a lead back on this team. So you have your your three top skill position players very reliant on this offense excelling. Well, that's where I start. Second, you look at the defense. The defense scares me more than it should. So a lot of people like Derwin James for DPOY. I'm not a huge fan of Derwin James. If you go and look at his PFF okay. coverages. He's he's like the best safety in football. It's just he can never stay healthy. That I think yes. that's the that is true. He is the best safety. But last year when he was on the field and the year before, he's played nickel corner at a higher rate than he has safety coverages. And this is from PFF. So I'm worried about how they're using their well, they, players. But, but they brought in J.C. Jackson, right? Yes. And J.C. Jackson's already hurt, which is yes. another concern of mine. So this defense is already starting to take its hits. And then you are expecting Justin Je- Je- Justin Herbert, not Jefferson, to really shoulder this offense and lead to like a really, really big breakout season in a division with two who I think should be both in Russell Wilson Mahomes MVP candidates. And I just don't know if they can get there. And then you need Joey Bosa to go absolutely insane on the outside for this defense to have a real shot at it along with Khalil Mack, who I think is past his prime. So I think the Chargers come out of this on the outside looking in. And I also think a lot of the football community fell in love with Brandon Staley because he loves to make these fourth down decisions. But if you look at the rest of his play calling and his decision-making, he is not that good of a play caller. He dialed back the deep passes in the second half of last season where the Chargers fell off uh, inexplicably, except for the Mike Williams injuries. And if that's the case, and we're relying on deep shots on the Chargers offense to either Josh Palmer, who I love, or to Mike Williams staying healthy for 18 games, then I get really worried that then Justin Jefferson's going to dial back his dot. The team gets conservative in how they play call, and they only get aggressive on fourth downs, and that's just a lot of variance that I don't want to buy into. So that's my call for Chargers. Johnny, are you watching the West Virginia game right now? Yeah. Is that why you're doing that? Yeah, the are you watching? The, the a pit receiver literally just fumbled uh, the ball without being touched. And he, like, went through three <laughs> okay. defenders. Sorry. So I'm floored by, by, by this take for, from you, honestly. I – 
This is the same team that lost to the Chargers in a win game. You mean the Raiders? The Raiders. It was a win or go home game, and they lost to the I Oakland agree. Raiders. And Derek Carr without Devontae Adams. I agree. They did. It's a new year, though. They brought in some guys that helped solve the problems on defense. They, I can't think of the guy's name, but brought in the veteran D tackle. They obviously, Mack, and they, brought they obviously have have Khalil Mack. They bring in J.C. Jackson, who yes is hurt, but I think he's maybe going to be back by the Chiefs game in week two. I, I'm not positive on that, but not nothing too serious. It it seems like I and they they improved the offensive line through the draft, taking the guard in the first round. I think part of the issue with the deep stuff last year is that their offensive line didn't hold up well enough on the deep stuff. So if the line is better, I think maybe you see more of that. See Herbert be more willing or more able to hold the ball. Um, I, I honestly, I think what you think about the chargers, I think to a lesser extent about the Broncos, I think with the Broncos, I think they just need like one more cycle, one more off season cycle to bring in some more talent. I think West Virginia just fumbled back now too. This is getting crazy over here. Um, I just need to cover seven and a half. <laughs> um, the Broncos have a lot of pretty good players. They don't have really a lot of guys that I'd consider stars. Whereas the Chargers do have that star power. And I just think when you have a lot of pretty good players, that probably means you're going to be a pretty good team and not a really good team. I think the Chargers could be a really good team. I am more worried about their offensive players than a lot of people are. And I will find out of that or if I'm wrong of that. But I think Keenan Allen takes just a little more of a step backwards this season. And I do not want to bet on Mike Williams being wide receiver one. I, I, I agree if you got Keenan Allen's taking steps back, but uh, small. I, I think they're smaller. Small, absolutely. I, I, I think they're smaller than what you're making it out to be. And I'm, I'm not. But eventually like, it happens. Like with a lot of NFL players, they're there and suddenly they're not. Like it, it's just yeah, how play, the position works. The thing with Keenan Allen is that's not like he – He's not a relies on athleticism guy. It's quite the opposite with him. So that that's helpful. Okay. Um, let's give our number one seed in the NFC because I, I feel like this, like I was thinking about this this morning and I really have no idea what the right answer is. I think conventional wisdom will lead people to say the Packers because it just feels comfortable the Bucks would be the other team under consideration, but there's just so much going on with that team right now. Uh, I heard a dark horse case for the Eagles just talking talking about from a pure betting perspective yesterday that I didn't hate. Uh, Dalton, I'll turn this over to you. Who do you have as the number one seed in, in the NFC? I just want to say... We need conference realignment so bad in the NFL right now <laughs> with the level of skill in the AFC and the – like, no offense to the Eagles, but they're like a probably missing the playoffs team in the AFC. Or yeah. they're, they're close to it at least. Well, and like the Dolphins I thought about as a dark horse, and I was like, if they're in the NFC, they're probably just making the playoffs. Yeah. And then they could in the AFC – but it will take a very, very good season. I mean, Jalen Hurts might be like the fourth or fifth best quarterback in the NFC. Just off the top of my head, if you start naming guys, you're like, wow, we get dark really quick. Well, you go Brady, Rodgers, and then... Stafford. After, yeah, Stafford. And then I'm running Murray. Three. Like, yeah, yeah, you give Kyler four. And then and Dak? 
Yeah, you still give Dako, but then and then Kirk. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's Kirk Cousins and Jalen Hurts. Probably Kirk Cousins, then Jalen Hurts, and then you get into the Trey Lance and Justin yeah. Fields, and, and pretty quickly. So, uh, I just went ahead and picked the Bucks. Like you said, lots going on in the offseason, but what I've learned is you just don't bet against Tom Brady until he gives you a reason to, and he just hasn't. Um, and it's the safe pick. Like, the, I am very concerned about their offensive line play. But the good thing about Tom Brady is he has the quickest release of any quarterback in the NFL, so he's going to really help coach that up. I also think there's a good chance they end up getting that left tackle from the Patriots, who is on the trade block for inexplicable reasons. Uh, nothing, no news, no source on that. I just feel like that's a very Brady thing to suddenly get him. Uh, there so, seems like there's like an illegal pipeline going on between dude, the Patriots. Honestly, and the Bucks. I thought J.C. Treader, who retired, was going to come back to the Bucks as soon as. Well, and then Mason like Sha- Shaq Mason got traded there for like a fifth or sixth round pick. Yeah. And that's one of the best guards in the NFL. Um, so it really just comes down to I'm not going to bet against Tom Brady, and he's probably going to be running the offense with Arians out there, and I don't think that's a downgrade. Um, so I'm just taking the Bucks. It's a safe pick, but. I, I mean, the NFC sucks so much that the Bucs are probably going to beat up on a lot of teams and have a lot of trouble. The, the thing you like about the Bucs, even with the coaching change, is I don't think either side of the ball changes because it was Leftwich was running the offense last year, and then Todd Bowles, who's now the head coach, was running the defense. I think that's how it's going to be this year. So even though Arians is gone, I think they still have that continuity. Yep. And Bucks are a perfectly reasonable pick, and you mentioned they're the safe pick. I think the ultimate safe pick – which is what I'm going to fall back on is the Packers. I know they don't have Devontae Adams, obviously, but you know, that, that defense is still pretty good. They've got two awesome, awesome running backs who I'm excited to see how, how they use those guys. And they don't have a ton that I love at receiver, but between Alan Lazard and, you know, Sammy Watkins for his couple games that he really shows out and Romeo dubs and Christian Watson and, Maybe they bring in a guy at some point. I just think there's enough there that they're going to be able to kind of ground and pound and manage their way to a lot of wins in in that division this year. Yeah, I the Packers are my pick too. I even though they don't have Devontae Adams, I just feel like the ground and pound game with just Aaron Jones and Quadzilla to Johnny Freeze. No, no, he's on for me. Oh. But uh, I think that they're just going to be able to have better play action. Aaron Rodgers loves play action plays, and I, I think they're just going to be – I think it's just a safe pick over the Bucks. which Bucks and Packers was going 1A, 1B for me, but I just mm-hmm. ultimately ended up with the Packers. So why is no one picking the defending Super Bowl champions? <laughs> Who? I – you know, I I was reading for for my over-under win totals about a team that's had like the worst injury luck in the last handful of years. And then the opposite of that is the Rams under McVay have had like the best injury, injury luck in the league by far. They are arguably more talented than they were last year, but they do have a tough schedule. Their schedule is murderers row. It's, it's like the chiefs, but in reverse, even though they're in the NFC, because they obviously play their division, which is strong besides the Seahawks. And then they play uh, the AFC West, which is strong. And I think they play the Bucks again this year. They open the season 
with the Bills. And so the Rams, to me, just looking up, and I think they play the Cowboys too later on, who we talked about we don't love. But but they just have a lot of really good teams on their schedule. You always worry about the Super Bowl hangover. You know, Aaron Donald was like set to retire and didn't retire. Matthew Stafford's elbow. No Bloom's the new left tackle. Um, Yeah, Matthew Stafford's elbow is a thing that I'm at least a little bit worried about. Um. With, with the Rams, and I am worried about the running back situation there too, just from a real football perspective, a fantasy too. But I think that matters in, in a McVay offense. They have to be able to run the ball and do a lot of their play action concepts that get Cooper Cup wide open, 10 yards behind it to everybody else. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. Just interesting that they're the defending Super Bowl champions in a weak division and none of us chose them. But playing well, the AFC West will do that. Well, I will skip right to my to the over-under win totals here. So we've got, we each picked two teams uh, that we like the over-under win totals on. I like the Niners to hit their over of nine and a half. I like them to be the number one seed in the, sorry, not number one seed. I like them to be the team in this division to win the division. And I, I think they are going to be battling for the number one seed overall this season. I looked back at, at last year. They, so if you include Raheem Mostert as their RB1, which I think is fair. He got the first carries last year. They had zero games in which their quarterback won, RB1, tight end won, wide receiver won, and wide receiver two played an entire game last year. And they won 10 games. They won 10 games with, with all of that last year. If you don't include Mostert, they had six instances where all of those guys, so QB1, RB1, tight end one, wide receivers one, two, played. They were five and one when when they had their team last year. I mentioned it earlier. I really don't think Lance's floor is much lower than what Jimmy Garoppolo gave him last year. And then you have the ceiling of what Trey Lance could potentially be and what Kyle Shanahan could do with him this season. This offense with Jimmy Garoppolo, who I think we all thought was pretty poor last year, and they won in spite of him. They led the league in yards per play. They were top 10 in EPA in rushing and passing last season so i just i I think this might be the best roster the best roster in football and if trey lance can be the guy this is a a team that i really thought about for the super bowl question at the end but ultimately went a different direction i like that um i looked at their win total and i just didn't like the uncertainty of what trey lance could be um because there's just a chance that his passing still leaves a little bit to be desired and that that leads this team to be like a really run heavy team and, and edge some stuff out really closely. So that was the only reason I didn't pick them. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know how exactly this worked out because they finished settlement for a second or third, I think third in division last year. So that's probably how, but they have the easiest schedule in their division this year. They have the 13th easiest schedule in the league, according to Warren Sharp. So that's another thing they have going for them. Whereas the Rams are, 31st they're like down there with the Chiefs so I, I'm in on the Niners this year my second team very quick the Bears under five and a half Johnny said you, you said six and a half I have to find that line and and bet that one um I think the Bears are gonna stink Dalton who, who are your two teams uh first one we could run through it because we've talked about them a thousand times already but the Cowboys mm-hmm. under tens. Like we said earlier, uh, when you bet overs, you are always going against both skill and then injuries, and this team is one injury away from falling to pieces. So I'll take the Cowboys under 10 and a half. And then the other one, uh, I probably would have picked them three years in a row if I ever had the choice, but Titans 
under nine and a half wins. <laughs> they just lost Harold Landry. We don't yep. know for how long, but he's very pivotal to the way. Well, they the, 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 the initial reports were they feared a Tories torn ACL. Yeah. So it, it could be the whole season. And th- this team was like one of the best teams at getting blitzes on four man rushes in the NFL, which is huge because then you can drop the rest of them uh, without that pass rush. And without AJ Brown, it's a 29 year old Derrick Henry. We're asking a lot for Ryan Tannehill to suddenly be something. I'm not going to buy into that. Um, and I think that this team could lose to the Jaguars once even. Like, I think that that's in the range of outcomes in the South. So I'm taking the Titans as my other team. It is Mike. My, my worry with the Titans is Mike Vrabel is an awesome coach and is just somehow like they were the number one seed in the AFC somehow. Most disappointing year. one seed I've ever seen. I mean, that's very true, but they still somehow did it. They beat the Chiefs 27-3 last year. Like, Vrabel is an awesome coach who just gets the most out of his team. So that that's one thing that's, that's stuck in my mind. And then you mentioned the Jags. Like, could the Jags beat them? They could, but the other side of that is they get four games against the Jags and Texans. So that is very helpful for their win total as well. Johnny, who are your two teams? Uh, my two teams are the Bears, under okay. six and a half. And the second team is I like the over for Miami at eight and a half. Mm, I thought about it. All reluctant on how Tua plays. I think they could be a 10-win team if Tua is above average at best. And I think they have the 12th easiest schedule. So I think that eight and a half is a, a good bet to bet on the over with. Their schedule is pretty nice. I think they play the NFC East this year, if I remember right. I was mm-hmm. looking through it this morning. So that that's always helpful. And they went 9-8 and eight last year. So they topped this total last year. And last year was a mess for a lot of reasons. Uh, the offense was not coached up very well. Tua was hurt multiple times. So Patriots I, are plus three against them week one. No one take the Patriots. I think the Patriots are going to be bad. I think they're going to be bad i think the dolphins might be bad i think it might suck <laughs> okay so we've got we've got the super bowl coming up but i just wanted to throw two parlays out to you guys and and, and just see tennessee see covered goes. first half just say first half minus 224 they covered they have 38 points let's Congrats. go tennessee congrats to you um who messes up this parlay bills bucks chiefs and packers all over 10 and a half wins is plus 600 right now um, I I'm picking the Packers of all the teams. I, I it's an NFC team. It's the Packers and the Bucks. Uh, maybe the Bills. Probably not the Bills. Um, we'll talk about maybe. Them in a uh, we'll talk about them in a minute. Um, I think it's the Packers. I think we we what was it three years ago? We had Gunslinger Rogers where nothing was going and he was just chucking the ball downfield and throwing picks. I think we get a return to that if things go poorly the first couple of games. Uh, or Aaron Rodgers just stops taking Percocets before games and he's bad. I don't know. We'll see. Um, that's They're my pick, but I like the parlay. I do like it. At plus 600, and those are all, like, obviously they're all, they're four of the best teams in the NFL. All teams you feel good about. I saw that and I was like, ugh. Now, on the contrary, who messes up this parlay? Commanders, Giants, Steelers, and Lions, all under seven and a half wins. Lions. Yeah, I'm lying for my dark horse playoff team. If you want free money, at least for the last like eight years, I think the Giants have gone under their win total for like the last six or seven years. <laughs> and so, like the Giants, 
I think that's even one win higher than their total. Giants aren't getting over, aren't getting the eight wins. I mean, I don't know. Like, I like the Lions too, but is Jared Goff without Sean McVay really gonna get to? Wow, can't believe that just happened in that game. Is is are they really gonna get to eight wins? With Jared Goff at quarterback, I'm not sure. Just, just thought it was interesting. Just thought it was interesting. Uh, another, another long shot. I think what happened in the West Virginia game just now? I'm not uh, watching it. An, an, a, a should have been out. a pick. <laughs> yeah, should have been a pick. We'll just leave it at that. Go West Virginia. All right, pick a Super Bowl winner that is not the Chiefs. I am man enough to admit on all three of our behalfs that we will all pick the Chiefs as long as they are in the picture every season. So I pick the Chiefs. Take, take that, take that aside. Take that for what you will. Let's pick a Super Bowl winner that is not the Chiefs. We can keep this one short and sweet. We all know these teams are good, although I thought mine's the Chargers. I think the Chargers <laughs> could win the Super Bowl if, if it's not the Chiefs. I really think I really think the Chargers are gonna be a top a top three team in the AFC. I, I think the Chiefs go in the division and be, you know, top three seeing the Chargers left to go to the wild card, but I like I like this team. We debated about it earlier, so I'm not gonna say too much, but I like the Chargers. Johnny, who's your your non-Chiefs team? I like the Packers. I think this could be just Aaron Rodgers' kind of Cinderella story, win the Super Bowl, and then just retire after this year. You know, it's funny. Part of my logic for Packers being the number one seed, it's like, it's just easy to say Packers number one seed lose the divisional round. Just like clockwork. Just like clockwork. But no, I... You you could definitely you could definitely see it happening. The Packers have had a team good enough to do it the last couple of years. And I mean, if they don't kick a field goal against the Bucks, yeah, yeah, like, uh, like I don't know what you're doing there, but yeah, well, there, there's or if there. or if they don't give up a 50 yard touchdown on the last play of the first half uh, yeah. of that game, that that gets overlooked too because of the late the late field goal. I think that was uh, Kevin King on on coverage there. Um, well, yeah, and their special teams was the worst in the NFL last yes, year. Yes, and that, that literally cost them the divisional round last year. Uh, was it a blocked punt against yes. the Niners last year? Did you and, hear that they, and asked, they missed the field goal. They asked the head coach of the Packers, they're like, how do you plan to solve your special teams issues? And he was like, not having practice squad players on special teams. <laughs> and I was like, wow. You know, I So I, I, I definitely don't hate the Packers pick at all. And we've got to be fair. If we're going to say – the Chiefs can do it without Tyreek Hill. The Packers can also do it without Devontae Adams. I think we're going to see that – we already know this, but I think we're going to see that the big receiver additions don't pay off for the new teams like like they hope, and the teams with the good quarterbacks are, are still laughing last. Dalton, I think the Bills are your team. I could have – I, I, I would have taken that like minus 10,000 the Bills would be your team. Yeah, I mean, in another life, I'm a Bills fan because of Josh Allen. Like <laughs> – it's really tough that him and Mahomes are in the NFL at the same time because Josh Allen is so incredibly fun to watch. The Athletic just had a really long write-up about Josh Allen. I really recommend everybody reads it. Uh, John Madden, before he passed away in December, said like he he's an animal. He's the most fun player to watch. Uh, this offense, I think, is just going to be so fun to watch. They add Von Miller on defense. They got this Kerry Elam guy. You get White back on that defense. I mean, they are – Eventually, uh, White is injured right now. Yeah, I he's going to be off the first month. four games. Um you get all these playmakers and like then if Gabriel Davis does take a step forward and there's consistent second weapon here, or if, you know, cook becomes like this scat back that gives Josh Allen a lot of yak, uh, something that's offense needed last year and gives them an ability to run less five wide and more four wide. So they have a blocking option and Josh Allen has more time. 
I just am really excited. They brought in a new offensive line coach, and they're supposed to be a different blocking scheme. This is how you know I read way too much about the Bills. <laughs> and I'm just, I want to see how they use it. Uh, and I mean, Josh Allen throwed piss missiles in the end zone is something I can't not watch. So I'm very curious how, how their team is going to shape up this year since they obviously have Kellen Moore at oh, Kellen Moore, uh, Ken Dorsey as their new offensive coordinator. Wrong uh, ex-star college quarterback there. Um, it was funny. I was reading the Bills preview in Warren Sharp's book today, and he pulled like five different quotes from McDermott at different points of the season when he was really aggravated with, with the team. It was like after the Patriots game, after they got demolished by the Colts. I'm sure after, after the Jags game. After the Jags game, and there was, there was one more where in some variation – he was basically saying we have got to be able to run the ball better because what Warren Sharp pointed out is, is they're not like the chiefs who have like a top 10, um, EP, like not the offensive. Well, yes, but also just like, like EPA, like on running plays, the chiefs were top 10 last year. And that was all offensive line, not running back. Uh, <laughs> the, the bills do not have that. They were in like the bottom five, as far as rushing goes EPA per play. So I'm just curious how, without Dabble there, how this offense evolves, if it does. I do have some concerns with the offensive line. And just from a purely, this is not anything you can glean by looking at a stat sheet, by reading articles. I just wonder, this team is, it could go one of two ways. They've been fighting and clawing and scratching to pass up the Chiefs for two years and had just, the most heartbreaking of heartbreaking losses last year. And that can either galvanize a Super Bowl run or sometimes, and you see this a lot in basketball, sometimes a team just can't come back from a devastating loss like that. Like the group just, it's just not the same after that. I think the the prime example in basketball is the Clippers when they blew the 3-1 lead to the Rockets. It just like, they stayed together for a couple more years, but you knew it was over after that and i just kind of wonder how the bills bounce back from last season well luckily for the bills their franchise is used to playoff disappointment with three straight losses in the super bowl yeah. uh i think and that is come... going to help josh allen a lot as he was <laughs> negative five years old at the time. no but i do think if you're talking about resiliency this is a guy who got no offers out of college you know mm-hmm. he sent his huddle to people and then he ended up staying at Wyoming for as long as he could just because he wanted to prove a point. I, I I think if you need a leader in a locker room, which you do in those moments, it is him. And then I also think of any game ever to lose, if you look at the Chiefs game, you look at that and you're like, I mean, we were literally one play away from winning like 16 times. And it's just the greatest playoff game ever in the history of football. And we could have just as easily won that game by 10 points in all, in all honesty. As a Chiefs mm-hmm. fan, I'm saying that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Johnny, we haven't heard your team, right? He picked the Packers. I picked the Packers. Pack- oh, yeah, yeah. Packers. That, that, that was the first one. All right, guys. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Half Point Per Podcast. That was a fun one to kind of branch out and talk real football for a it little really bit. Uh, a, a lot of uh, some gambling stuff and, and some real football, of course. Give us a follow. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Half Point Per Pod. Keep watching the YouTube videos. We appreciate that so much. Subscribe to the YouTube if you haven't already. Click the little bell. You get alerts when we have a new video posted. Just search Half Point for Podcast. And, of course, listen to us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back next week. 
We are finally done with previews, with preseason talk, with all that. It is a week one preview next week. Not a season preview, a week one preview. Super pumped for that. And we will talk to you guys about week one next week.